Welcome, Rick Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Ringcast, episode 41, exclusively sponsored by the Premium Hockey Outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use the discount code the rink. I hope some of you used it over the holidays and Christmas, but uh, you get 10% off on your orders if you order something over $100, I believe. It's uh, free shipping, and you get free gifts, and you get all kinds of good stuff. So get over there, get your rink wear, and uh, maybe you could peruse the clearance section and get something else, too, while you're at it. A little bonus. So today is Friday, January 11th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> That's the joy of the Jeffrey, you see. It goes away, but then it comes back. <laughs> I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello, hello, Are you enjoying your Jeffrey? Yeah, that was good. Y'all need to take a hit of this Jeffrey. It'll calm you down. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a long week, right, huh? Oh, brutal. Yeah. <clears throat> Together, brutal. we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. Uh, so before we go any further, um, let me introduce our guest. Uh First of all, uh, let me introduce you as Tyler Cameron, but people online may not be as familiar with that name as you write under the pseudonym of Justin Lowe for Hockey Buzz. You are the Blackhawks lead writer. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Of course, man. That, so- is, that, is, that is correct. I just uh, kind of dropped some hints here and there, but uh, definitely dropped the bomb in the email or in the blog today. Yeah. yeah. It's Tyler Cameron. Yeah. Sign off as TC and to the jail now oh no. there, there you go nice you're uh coming out into the uh <laughs> world of the uh of the known i uh I had, go ahead i had to mix it up because the hawks have been so bad this year so i thought uh drop some news of my own right on you had to drop the bomb on them yeah yeah <laughs> but also you uh you, you've written at other hockey sites before and covering the hawks and you're actually an author yeah. too uh published author he, we're we're under we're among excellence here, John. I know, I know. <laughs> you wrote uh, a dude's guide to surviving his wedding too. That's yeah. that, that's an interesting change from hockey writing. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, I got married you know almost five years ago and realized there wasn't anything for us you know, guys, um, us schmucks, when we're trying to get married. And, thought it'd be a good good POV from uh from the guy's side to you know help out a little bit but still be able to watch the game so i got some tips and tricks on on that as well as the in corner save some money too awesome that's cool man yeah so so uh we're we're the little guys here john <laughs> we are we're, we're not published authors nah. we're, we're the amateurs but uh, it's great to have you on. Um, uh, you and I go way back um, to yeah. back days uh, before I passed the baton to you at, at Hockey Buzz, which was, uh, yeah. in hindsight, was a, a great decision on the part of the uh, powers that be at Hockey Buzz to uh, to uh, give that uh, role to you. And, and uh, I'm proud to say that I did provide a recommendation. I'm sure that there were other reasons, though. Probably my recommendation may have hurt more than helped. But uh, it's great to have you on. You're doing a fantastic job over there. And uh, you really kept the mojo going. And uh, 
you know, we've uh, we've been doing our thing over here for a little over a year now, and you know, our our community's growing as well, and they're kind of growing together. I mean, there's a lot of crossover among our, our readers and and our commenters, and great bunch great bunch of hockey fans, and uh, so it's really great to have you on, man. Um, we've been looking forward to this for a while, so thanks for doing it. Yeah, no, thanks a lot, John. I I, no, I really appreciate it. You like you said, you and I go way back and, and I do appreciate the, the recommendation. It's been a lot of fun writing and trying to fill your shoes. And uh, it's been, it has been awesome to watch you guys do what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I try to give as many shout outs as I can. And um, there's never a shortage for, for Blackhawks content. Um, that, that's for sure. Especially with as well, the, the athletic and the great stuff that they're doing. Um, there's, there's a lot of stuff to out there for, uh, for fans, much more than when, when we were coming up as youngsters following this team. Yeah, there's uh there's a quite a bit there's no shortage of content. Um there's uh you know, I think there's varying degrees of quality and and uh, we're uh, <laughs> we're we're really uh gratified that you chose to to be on with us tonight because we count you among those who really provide the outstanding content and the responsible content. Um so without going further down that road, um what do we got, Jeff? Let's get into it. <laughs> you weren't speaking of any kind of jabronis or anything, were you? Oh no. There's there's no backhanded shot at Jabroni's there. What's up, Jax? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So as we get into this, um, let's get into the Blackhawks right away. Uh, this afternoon, while we were all driving home, the Blackhawks trade Jan Rudin, a seventh round pick, to Tampa Bay for Slater. And I'm I'm gonna let Tyler do this one. It's Slater what? Cuckoo. <laughs> Slater Cuckoo from Canada. Yeah, Slater Cuckoo. So um, he's actually a former first-round draft pick, uh, 10th overall. Uh, So it's like Stan's going out there and getting all these questionable or late-blooming former first-round draft picks. (laughs) But uh, if you get anything back for Jan Root, I mean, it's, you know, it's a win, I guess. And he said Actually, sour. if he got nothing back for Jan Root at this point in time, it probably would have been a win. Yeah. But uh, what did you guys think of this? Because I, I haven't even been able to wrap my head around it just yet. I'm not going to pretend to be a Slater cuckoo uh, expert. Um, I do recall that in his draft year, our guy Wiz um, had some some positive reviews on him. And, uh, you know, he's he's fits that that profile that Stan Bowman loves that, you know, left-hand shooting puck rushing defenseman, um, who's weak in his own end. Um, but, uh, you know, he was picked 10th overall by Tampa Bay, who, you know, they've had a good eye for players over the years. And, you know, it has the feeling, like you said, of, um, of, uh, you know, Dylan Strom or Brendan Perlini, you know, those, those types of guys who, you know, maybe did not live up to expectations with their first teams. Oh, Anthony Duclair, um, there's a pretty long list. Nick um, Schmaltz. <laughs> Nick, well, yeah, Nick Schmaltz didn't live up to, to <laughs> with his first team and he's now with his second team. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you know, it, it can't hurt cause it's, there's like no downside to it. You lose a guy who really wasn't, you know, living up to the expectations that, that we had of him. Um, and you actually turn a seventh round pick into a fifth. That's kind of nice too. And you lose, I think. I think you lose about uh, 1.4 million in cap hit too. So, all the way around, kudos to uh, to Stan Bowman. I, you know, we'll see we'll see what this guy can do if he can if he can 
elevate anything with this defense. You know, it would be better, I think, if he were more of a solid defender and maybe not, you know, um, the puck rushing style of defenseman because it feels like that's more what they need right now. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, Ty, what was your uh, thoughts on the trade? You were the one that actually broke it to me when I sat down. You messaged me. You're like, oh, the Hawks yeah, got rid of Maruta. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know what, kind of echoing what John said, I mean, if anything, if both these players just disappear next year, it's, it's, you know, the Hawks get a fifth for a seventh. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I've kind of been, you know, I had my eye on, on Cuckoo a little bit as well around his draft year. And, you know, the fact that I thought he didn't really get that affair of a shake in Tampa, but, um, you know, I, I granted and admittedly, I don't watch every single lightning game and kind of the more you read it looks like he was maybe taken on water a little bit defensively and you know taking more shots against than four but he was putting up solid numbers and a lot of people thought that maybe he would come back in a, in a lower role but yeah I mean Jan Ruder has gone so I mean that was a bad signing at the time by Stan and he just uh, corrected another mistake so it doesn't hurt yeah and that was something we've talked about the past couple of times is like originally Stan which is always doubling down on his mistakes He'd make a mistake, and then he'd make another mistake on top of that to cover up the other mistake. And now it seems like more recently that he's been actually accepting his mistakes, like Brandon Manning and stuff like that, and accepting the mistakes and getting rid of them instead of you know hang, having them hang around, waste their time, waste everybody's time, waste money and stuff like that. So, yeah, hey, I can I can respect if you if you if you realize your mistake and you correct it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I guess Cuckoo was probably going to end up in Rockford and, um, you know, he's going to play what they, he's, he's played quite a few NHL games over the last four years and he's uh, played nine this year. So, but nine you know, this year, but I think he yeah. played like 40 games last year and something like that the year before. And, and with a, you know, with a good team. Um, it's not like, it's not like the Hawks are bleeding all stars on defense. So I mean, they may get, they may, he may get some time in Chicago, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. He played some playoff time too. And, and Tampa's a great playoff team, right? So yeah. I mean, he played in playoff games in, in the 16, um, playoffs. So yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't hurt to, like you said, they, they don't have a bunch of all-stars. So he might as well put somebody out there and he's on the left side. So maybe he can slide in there and they can see what they have at least for the rest of the year or so. I mean, you you said they don't have any all stars on defense. What about the great Eric Gustafson guys? I can do that now. Or... <laughs> well, I guess this is a good segue. I mean, uh, we've talked about the trade as that. much as we can, but the the great Eric Gustafson guys. Oh, well, it's interesting. So I posted on uh, the twitters the other day. Um, this was in in the aftermath, I believe, the Calgary game. Um, I I said finish this sentence. Quote, when Eric Gustafson leads your defense in time on ice, which he did, um, dot, 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 finish it. And then best response is read and attributed on Thursday night's ringcast. So we got some interesting um, comments. Um, one was from, oh, gosh, what's that guy's name? Um, and I want to get his name right because it was a great, it was a great comment. Um, oh, where are you, buddy? Galaxy Trash. Galaxy Trash, and he said, oh, where is it? Crap. <laughs> yeah, Galaxy Trash. Anyway, the gist of what our friend Galaxy Trash said was, 
that they're giving him a lot of minutes in order to to you know really develop him and see what they have um, going forward. I, I I believe that is the intent um, with giving him a lot of minutes. The other thing is is he's playing a lot of power play time, um, and um, you know he is he is the the lead defenseman on the power play now, um, for better or worse. And um, I actually think he's actually pretty good in the power play. It's just it's five on five that I don't really have a lot of use for him. Um, so that's, that's a good answer. Um, there was, there was some other pretty funny, our buddy brain sprain, who is a, uh, unabashed Eric Gustafson, Eric Gustafson booster. You are in heaven when Eric Gustafson leads your team in time on ice. Because uh, you die. Yeah, right. You die. You've died and gone. You've died and gone to heaven. Um, Andy Kosher. I'm going to assume that's pronounced like our, like Joey Kosher. Your team is caca for caco. Your team is guaranteed to lose for use. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see what else. There's some good ones. Um, from our guy Agonist, um, the stats and analytics guru, you wonder whether Stan will keep Gus or save money and go get Jake Gardner from Toronto or better puck movement for better puck movement or Myers from Winnipeg for physicality, both 29 years old available on unrestricted free agents or blow the cap space on Panarin instead of stones, grit or Don finish with size. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and we'll just keep moving on because agonisty very, very often speaks over our head anyway with his, with his big, big agonisty brain. <laughs> well, for uh, me, it's not hard to speak over my head. No, no <laughs> mine either. Um, there it is. Here's Galaxy Trash. It means the team is trying to allow his potential to develop and maximize his talent in a year we aren't going to be a playoff team. I think that it absolutely is the intent. Um, whether it's going to work, that's the other story. Because here's the problem I have with that theory, and we've talked about it here before. He's been with the Hawks organization now for at, at least three years, perhaps three and a half three. years. I'm not sure. Pretty sure it was three. Um, and uh, there's this assumption that's out there. Well, nobody's really coached our guy Gus before. Um, that's not true. They've they've tried to work with him since he first came over. They worked with him at Rockford. They've tried to work with him in the NHL. Um, so his defensive gaffes and snafus um, are, you know, there, there seems to be sort of a learning disability there, um, on his part, um, or he doesn't care about defense. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, to say that, you know, the, he just needs some coaching is, is kind of, I think, naive. Um, you, you know, you're going for the first overall pick that's from George outdoors. Um, you are now the Chicago ice Hawks. That's from Jack masters. You have a bottom five NHL roster. That's from our guy, Isak's actual. Uh, John O'Donnell Sr., you can guarantee at least two breakaways by your opponent. Dab the brakes. Uh, pardon me? <laughs> no, that was last in the box. Dab the brakes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so there were some really great, uh, that's just a smattering of them, if you will, Um but uh, yeah, there's, there were some great comments. And, yeah. Uh, so, Gus, like you said, he's been with the organization since 15, uh, 2015, 16, which is three full three years, four years, four years. He had two year contract, and now he's on the second of a three year contract. I think. Three years. That's three years. Yeah. That's three years. <clears throat> and uh, interesting thing, when I just looked him up right now, 
I was just kind of looking at his stats because I hadn't looked at him in a while. And this year, his eight goals is a career high. Yeah. Any level. He's having, you know, he's having a great year offensively. Um, and you know, they, the, he's certainly, I mean, on a, on a bad power play, he's, you know, certainly not hurting. Um, you know, the, the, the issue with, with him is, is can he, because they're talking about him and this, I think is what gets you and you and I going gate is people are talking about him. Like he's a, he's a top pairing defenseman, the next Eric Carlson, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be elite soon, if not already, but <laughs> You know, the reality of it is, is that he, he's he's a liability in his own end, five on five, most in most situations. I mean, um, and it, it's a it's a problem because, you know, for everything he brings to you offensively and all the dazzle that he provides people and, and gets gets the meatballs all triggered. Um, he's just he's he's a real liability in his own end. And he a lot of his gaffes lead to goals. Um, and so. You know, what are you really getting there? Um, but, you know, sure, it's a lost season. And the guy obviously has very high end offensive ability from the back end. Um, it's it's certainly worth trying to see if they could coach him into. And I, I really respect Jeremy Colton for what he said. You know, he said it's up to him. He can he it's up to him whether he wants to be a great player, because that's what it's about. You know, it's like when I, you know, coach Pee Wee's. Um, yes, I coach Pee Wee's. You coach um, Alex Debrinkett? No, <laughs> they're about the same size. No, but when I, I tell I tell some of the kids, you know, you can be a great player when you give great effort, and and that's the bottom line. I mean, the best players in that team can be the best players in that league when they give great effort. When they don't, they're pylons. They're just spectators. And you know, that's the the same thing with Gustafson. If he wants to be great, because I, I really believe that his defensive shortcomings are not about a lack of ability, physical ability. I think it's a, it's a lack of desire and a lack of priority on it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, we're, we don't wax poetic on uh, Eric Gustafson at all. No. Yeah. Uh, you know, our, our, we, we are very hard on him and we point out his defensive deficiencies, but you know, it, that doesn't take away from the fact that he could score a goal and he can handle the puck. And, you know, if he's on the, uh, the other end of the red or, you know, the other side of the red line, but, um, I don't want him out there in any any situation where where he's going to have to defend because he may be the worst on the team. So yeah, he's pretty bad now. Ty, you you know you've got a whole different, not a whole different. You might have some crossover, but you've got a, a another fan base, and and I'm sure you're you've gotten into conversations about Eric Gustafson. What is your uh, thought on this? Yeah, my take is. Um... Honestly, at the start of the year, I thought, okay, he's maybe turned it around a little bit. And especially, JJ, going back to your comments about Colton, some of those comments were made when he was in Rockford, right? And he said last year when he had um, some time with Gus, he said, you know, even Gustafson admitted like the drop passes. He, he he made this reference to these drop passes. And he's like, I don't think I do those anymore. And Harry <laughs> just, <laughs> well, so anyway, you, I mean, we've been talking a little bit and I, I think he's got so much swagger offensively. He almost looks like he's in, he thinks he's invisible, invincible defensively right. now where right. it's right. gotten worse. I'm like, it's gone to me going, okay, okay. He's not too, too bad. It looks like he's maybe improved. And, and like you said, John, he's actually, it looks like he's putting that effort in and he's, he's paying a little bit more attention to the details. And 
And now, like, the last couple games, some of those passes up the middle, like, from behind the net, wasn't even up the middle. It was trying to go towards the benches and or flipped up it's it, he, it he's just it doesn't look like he's trying coming back i mean he's got such an amazing skill offensively and his skating is great but i i just don't know i mean you you can let him develop as as much as you know they are right now but at what point do you say okay this guy's got to be a bottom pairing and pp specialist only i mean you can give the guy some ice time and yes i know he is like you guys alluded to he is getting a lot of that time on the power play, but every other shift going out there is a, a, a really a top four defenseman is, is hurt. It's just hurting this team. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of people over, uh, you know, uh, all the fans on, on hockey, hockey buzz, they're, they're kind of saying the same thing. So uh, he's a liability in, until he hone, hones that in a little bit and starts uh, paying a little more attention to his own end. It's, it's going to continue that way. Yeah. Not too good, man. <laughs> yeah, I have to among these I'm going through the comments again now the the responses. Yeah. Mark Hines and Ken Callenbach had the ski instructor from South Park. You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> Just a game, man. But I w- I will end by saying for people who want to punt him and, and trade him, he is doing a great job on the power play. I mean, to have that and that chemistry with Kane is, is pretty crazy. And there's been jokes about, why don't you just put him forward on Kane's line? But Some people I, aren't joking about that. Some people are I, serious. Yeah. Give them a couple shifts. Yeah. They clearly like playing together and they do have some chemistry, but they, I don't know. Well, it's now that they have Sheldon Brook, now that they have Sheldon Brook bring around, he, they can show, he can show uh, Gus how a fourth line or a third pairing <laughs> defenseman can play fourth line wing. You can show you can show Gus some jam. <laughs> Sheldon had jam. Man, come yeah. on. Yeah, I don't, he 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 does have the skill, you know, on that side. So you can't dispute that. And and putting him out there on the power play, if if he's a third pairing guy that you put out there on the power play to lead the power play and makes the power play work as well as it's been working lately, that's fine. But don't jam him down our throat, you know, put him where he can succeed, not where he's going to be, you know, underwater and overwhelmed and drowning nightly. So. <clears throat> and put him with a, a partner. That's just a steady Eddie defensive defenseman. Cause he's going to need that every time he's on the ice. Well, I think that's what they've tried to do by putting him with Keith. I mean, they're playing him yeah, yeah. on the right side and he's probably better on the left and, but they put him on the right side with Keith because Keith is, probably the you know defensively positionally the best defenseman they have and uh you know i don't know we'll see i mean i'm going to keep an open mind about him because i'm not going to dispute the fact that he has he has great offensive ability from the back end and he's a great skater great passer great shot all those things but then you know if you're going to play that role you really need to be and you know the, then the other thing that they say is well you know carlson sucks at d2 Eric Carlson on his worst days is, is better defensively than, than Gustafson on his best. So let's get real. I mean, Carlson's not the greatest defender, but he's he's actually he's a lot like Keith in terms of the style he plays in his own end. And uh, he makes a lot of plays with his stick and with his speed. And, and um, you know, um, I, I just think Gustafson's got a long way to go before he's a guy who's going to, you know, be part of, I think, a, a an elite team playing regular shifts five-on-five. Five. He's, he's just got to improve because he's a real liability five-on-five five defensively most of the time. Yeah, well, 
See, I thought you thought, or I thought you were going to say that uh, they brought in a nice, solid defender when they brought in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not ready to claim that yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, actually, with with Cuckoo, I I think the Blackhawks are going to lead all teams in the NHL with players that have last names that start with K. <laughs> Kunitz, yeah. Kampf, you know, right down the right down the line. Yeah. So. Anyway, uh, well, with that being said, the, the previous trade that was made, uh, it, you know, it sent uh, Manning out of town and, and, and that whole thing and, and brought uh, Drake Kajula. Uh, Jason Garrison uh, did not report to Rockford. Um, he actually retired, chose to voluntarily retire from the NHL and then take his game over to Europe rather than play for Rockford. So I don't know if it's just that he didn't want to – I, I, I don't know if he's going to get much better – quality of of uh, opponent uh over in europe than he would in the ahl so i don't know in, in you know it, it's it could be one of those deals where it's just you know a lot of guys go over there playing playing great britain or they play in switzerland or they play in germany I, I don't know where in europe he signed but you know nothing against rockford but i don't know at, at certain at certain stage of my life i might rather be in basel than in rockford i think it's in, i think it's in the swedish hockey league that he signed okay but uh well, yeah, I, mean, what I, 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 I was just listening to um radio up here sports radio and they were interviewing matt stajan and he did the same thing it was an opportunity for him and his family to they always wanted to travel europe yeah. but he's been playing yeah. hockey takes the kids over he's on a team with uh forget a couple other former players um and you know one was his former teammate in in toronto so he he was happy to be there and it's just now an opportunity to to you know you don't want to do the the day-to-day grind as an nhl player maybe just enjoy a little shorter travel and and some experiences with your life and family yeah Yeah. i also thought he may be getting a head start like because his contract was up after this year so he may just be getting a head start on what he was going to do next year. Uh, yeah. So he signed from a PTO too. I mean, he was on his last legs anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's no big loss. The only thing, you know, it might have helped uh, Rockford a little bit to have that veteran yeah. there again, like uh, they had Cody Franzen last year. I mean, not that Jason Garrison is Cody Franzen, but you know that veteran presence. Would, I thought might... he was going to be Rockford's Cody Franzen. That's why I tweeted right after that trade. I'm like, he's actually going to do really well for them down there. But I mean, they've got so many defensemen down there anyway. It's going to be hard to fit them all in. So it's kind of nice, probably a blessing in disguise that he pieced out to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ty, what's it like to have sports radio that actually talks about hockey and might know what they're (laughs) talking about? Well, it's amazing when you want to (laughs) the Leafs. So it's just Leafs, Leafs, Leafs. And they've actually been a little, I thought it was going to be a little more obnoxious than it actually is. But I think the Leafs fans are, and, and, uh, you know, broadcasters are still scared that, this Leafs team still not going to do anything. So yeah. they're not too cocky yet. Um, but no, it's amazing. Every time you turn it on, it's, it's... I, you know, I used to spend a lot of time as you know, Ty and, and, yeah. uh, Toronto and, and uh, I was always Tor- Toronto sports hockey radio. I was always like, there was always these trade scenarios that were just completely favorable to the Leafs and terrible for the other team. And they were always like every day there, like they had the, they had the Leafs trading Nick and Trump off to the Hawks, like once a week for like five years. 
You know, yeah. I mean, it, it just just is like, guys, don't you have anything else to talk about but these stupid made up rumors? They anyway. don't. And there's actually a really funny thing on YouTube of terrible trade proposals on Toronto Sports Radio. <laughs> and go. the one is just outstanding where the, the broadcaster, the guy you could barely understand him, I think he'd had a couple drinks and um, <laughs> he said, uh, oh, we're going to trade him for it was some Ian White for they, he thought he was saying uh, Nathan. Uh, Horton, Nathan Horton. He's oh, Horton. he's like no, that's not a good. No, he's talking about Joe Thornton. It's like no, 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 no. <laughs> he's like he just hung up on him. He's like, buddy, you got to stop calling here. <laughs> Guy probably calls every day. So mm-hmm. no, it's 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 hockey crazy here. It's I mean I worked in the sports industry for a long time too, so um, <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, but honestly, right now they're they're liking the team, but it's they're still cautiously optimistic. So it'll be interesting to see how the Leafs do this year in the playoffs. Interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're a team that could be looking for a veteran presence. Um, you know, to to help put them over the top. And uh, you know, we've been we've been talking pretty regularly about the fact that the Hawks may have a veteran or two that that could be that kind of player for a team like the Leafs. Not necessarily the Leafs, but. For a team like that that's looking for that that bump and and playoff experience and, and leadership um, at the trade deadline, so um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we had to fight with that guy from Toronto when uh, I don't know a couple of weeks ago when someone suggested they they send Keith and uh, Crawford to Toronto. The guy oh, was God. all up in arms about it. He was all mad. I'm like some guy that like I don't think John and I have ever talked to was was all <laughs> upset about like. I don't know if he was name searching or what, looking for people talking about the Leafs. And like, we weren't necessarily really that serious. And he's like, Oh, I can't believe you said it. They need, they, their goalie isn't any good. And da, 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 da going on and on. And I was like, dude, you're taking this way. This, this silly little comment way too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of hero Leaf fans. So it'll, uh, yeah, like like you said, John. Like even I could even see on the lower end. Like we've talked about, or I've heard you guys talked about it too. Just even someone like Marcus Kruger. Like they don't really have a great fourth line center or a thirteenth guy. Somebody with some. I mean, throw a lower pick over or someone that can help Rockford, and maybe that's what you get back for Marcus Kruger. But um, he could definitely be someone that could help them. Yeah, and I think Bob McKenzie talked touched on that. Um, oh yeah night before last that that Kruger is a that a guy that the Hawks could end up dealing at the deadline to somebody I could totally see that because I think he's a more worthy worthwhile player than he than many give him credit for um yep. because of the things he does away from the puck um but uh yeah I mean uh, it'll be interesting I mean that, that's we keep we always come back to this every show we don't have to go down that rabbit hole again tonight but I mean what the Hawks do at the trade deadline is like incredibly compelling for me it's like i i hope they'll do something and 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 i hope it's not buying um and i don't think it will be but i mean will they move one or two of their bigger contracts and and get some you know potentially exciting futures back um you know they can't probably can't move Crawford at this point they're probably not going to get much back for anisimov the guy that um that i'm looking at and, and saying could probably bring a very nice return um is duncan Keith, but we'll see yeah, and I mean, as much bashing of Bowman, uh, actually, we, we do some apologizing for him, too, saying that, you know, yeah. it, it might be more from above than him. But as much as yeah. we, we do bat, we do bash Bowman a little bit. Um, 
lately, these past couple of trades, it looks like, at least on the surface, on the paper, uh, he's come out ahead. Well, certainly, I think I think the strong trade so far looks like a win because, and we're not huge Nick Schmaltz fans either, so that's the other thing. And and you know he could yet bloom in the desert. Um, well, to he's gonna have to do it him. next year since he's out for the year. Yeah, not this year, but he could yet. I mean, and and you know down the line, and and uh, but uh, Strom looks like he's really flourishing with the Hawks, and he looks like he's he's potentially what they need in that second line center role going forward, and uh, potentially. Um, so that, that one looks good, you know? Um, but you know, I mean, my, my skeptic, the skeptic in me looks at these trades he's making and it's just basically trying to hack as much salary as he can because the team is having a much harder time selling tickets than they have in years past. And it's just kind of balancing the books more than anything else. We'll see. Um, cause then the other school of thought is, well, they're going to amass this big war chest of cap space and go out and dominate. Don't, in, don't in say it. Age. Don't no, say, not it. To say it. Like I said, but I will say because it's funny because we somebody was was busting on the Blue Jackets like how bad they'll be if they lose Panarin and Bobrovsky, and I came back with yeah, but they'll have well over twenty million dollars cap space, and you know that that argument that you know the, the Hawk fans think that Stan Bolt is going to have this money and then you know he's going to like ride the unicorn out into free agency and bolts of lightning coming out of his you know where and. Um, but the, the, the reality of it is, is that a lot of teams are going to have a lot of money. If the cap goes up, so are salary demands. Um, and the likelihood of an overpay for a top free agent is high. Um, but you know, all that said, John McDonough, Bowman's boss, he loves that big splash in the summer that gets the attention away from the baseball teams or the bears and back onto himself. And, you know, from a marketing standpoint, that makes sense. The problem is what's good for marketing short-term is not always good for hockey long-term. We found that yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Well, <laughs> sorry to bum me. Sorry to bring you guys down. No, I'm always down. <laughs> no, I'm, so. I'm, I'm on board too. I mean, it's, I, I, we were kind of talking about this, um, on the message board the other day about someone was asking me what, you know, same thing, John, like all this money, the, I'm not even going to say his name. Cause I think that's what you guys were alluding to but like <laughs> him coming back to town. Yeah. Uh, mm. but I'm like, you know what? It's, it's, it is hard to rebuild through the free agency and it's not smart probably. However, what I will say in devil's advocate to that is with all of the younger players locking up for such long term, like to get a really impact, high impact player, it's, it, you, you have to maybe even grab one or two, um, if you're staying this summer uh, because a lot of them are, are locked up and, and unless you're trading for them, which a lot of people don't want to move them, you might have to do that. I mean, Marion Hosa wasn't a bad uh, free agency. He was signed what July 2nd, 2009. Well, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't the worst decision. July so I mean, actually, but, um, oh, right. but, 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 but that was a different team than, than this team. That was not a right. rebuilding team. That was a team on the precipice and that was really the piece that put them over the top. And, you know, this team has a lot of holes. And, you know, that's the other thing is that, you know, that I think part of this Panarin, there I said it, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, this, this Panarin narrative that's emerged is also based upon a belief that all of the defense prospects in college and junior and, and overseas are going to pan out. And we don't need to do anything for the defense because we've got all these great prospects. But 
if you go back through the last just 10 years <clears throat> of Blackhawk draft history and prospect history, there have been a lot of guys who were supposed to pan out and didn't. Um, a lot of them, and, and some of them were defensemen. And Adam Clendenning comes to mind, um, but he's not the only one. Um, Dylan Olson, um, yeah. et cetera. And so, you know, yeah. bottom line, um, there there really are holes. And and you know, my belief is <clears throat> the way you the way you really rebuild is to accumulate high draft picks, very high draft picks, and then and hit on them when you when you take them. And, you know, not unlike what Winnipeg has done. I mean, you look at up and down their roster, they've just got size, speed, talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, elite talent in some cases. And um, those are all guys they, they acquired through high draft picks. Um, the, the, the price of that is, is that you've got to stink for a few years. Um, but, you know, having followed this team since the 1960s, there were more than a few years that this team stank. And, you know, I, I'm I'm a believer that, you know, it could just tank for a couple of years and then come back really strong, you know, with these kids that you've drafted. But we'll see. I mean, maybe he'll pull some a rabbit out of his hat in free agency. I, I can't think of a, a really big free agent signing that he's made, um, much less one that's really positively impacted the team. So that's it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what free agents they're gonna. Uh, yeah, I keep hearing about how this uh, free agent class is gonna be so wonderful. But if if Carlson signs after the trade deadline, which he very well could, what I just heard the other day, if he signs with uh, San Jose uh, after the trade deadline, and and they can work something out with Panarin, where where are these big names? Yeah, I mean, some people might, you know, Jeff Skinner's having a bounce back year. Some people might look at him. Yeah, um, but he might get re-signed. You know, they might, uh, yeah. Buffalo might sign him. Jacob Truba. Um, he, yeah, I think he's an RFA, yeah, though. On the Hawks, he's an RFA, though. Yeah. He's an RFA, so that's probably unlikely. Um, I mean, Matthew Shane, he's in talks. They're starting talks with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, there's not a ton out there. So it, it may also, t- it may also, they may also have to go the trade route, you know, and, um, step up big for somebody, you know? Yeah. I just, I, I've heard this several times from people. Oh, this is a great, a great free agent class. I'm like, yeah, but that's if everyone makes it to free agency and generally that's not always the case, especially the high end players. You know, you you know well ahead of time if those players aren't going to be resigned normally, um, and you know there are there's like three four good names, but all those names could be scooped up. You know, maybe Bobrovsky is going to be the best name that hits the free agent market. What and, if they made a hard run at Wayne Simmons? I'd be I'd be all over that. Yeah, I like Simmons. I mentioned a couple guys like Simmons and Furland. Like oh, Michael Furland, sure. Yeah, yeah. Give me give me a little grit, guys that can put the net in a little character oh yeah for um, sure those guys are good role players that you can put in you know put into slots but those high-end players as far as high yeah. players go like that what, what who are you gonna spend 10 million dollars on and we and uh, you know you since you brought it up you broke you broke the seal john so you know we've brought up the, the panarin <laughs> thing like steel <laughs> if they're gonna if they're gonna go out you know supposedly the super fans say that you know, they're going to go out and get Panera now. They're going to spend, they're going to have upwards of, you know, what, $16 million or something. That's not with free agents resigning or RFAs resigning. 
Um, you spent you you whacked ten million dollars off of that. Where are you going to get a couple of maybe decent free agent defensemen or any other depth in the lineup? You're going to count on you know Kruger being gone. So Kemp is definitely the fourth line center. Like we're counting on a lot of ifs, and yeah. and that's not even counting if Corey Crawford can ever play again. Like yeah, I, well yeah, I, I don't think you. I think you're. It's. If if Crawford plays again or plays well again, it's it's that's a bonus at this point. And I don't even think you know. And I'm not saying this to disparage Corey Crawford. I think maybe the playing really well wasn't necessarily what happened. He came he came out a little hot, but he got real cold. Yeah, agreed. You know, agreed. and that's not to say anything like I you know. But he, he was coming off of a major you know the the fact that he even started off hot is amazing in and of itself. Yeah, I remember he played and he played a string of games when he came back and, and then he started to sort of cool off. And I remember Ward played one game for the first time in a long time. And I'm watching him going, man, Ward's really good. <laughs> I guess I think because I really don't think Crawford was all that good really overall after he came back. I mean, God bless him. And I just have the utmost respect for his desire and his passion for the game to, to come back in, in light of all that happened. But. You know, at this point, I think he's got to be looking at his health and, and his long term, you know, future um, and functionality as a as a human being. I mean, that's tough. It's really, really tough. Well, I'll bring this up now because this has been one of the questions is one of the late ones. Our girl, Jackie Davis, she said she read today that Rick Nash has announced his retired due to head injuries and stuff. Do you see this as a road for Crawford uh, after this last injury, maybe retiring sooner than later? So that's, you know. That's another possibility, you know. Uh, they they said Crawford was in the building the other day, uh, smiling. He hasn't skated. He's still in the concussion. Like, but he's smiling. Yeah, which you know, well, just like the cat yesterday, right? He's yeah. out on the ice, so he's really hitting it hard. Okay, maybe he's breaking yeah. in a pair of new skates. You know, he's out there. He's out there ten or fifteen minutes earlier than everybody else. He's really hitting it hard. I like his dedication. Shut up, Jesus. <laughs> Some of this, some of this speculation on the internet about maybe a guy's out there, you know, like you said, breaking in a new pair of skates or maybe, a, a, you know, a new set of gloves that he's trying to try out. So he goes out there before, you know, instead of, you know, in the middle of a drill, not being able to skate or losing his edge or something. Some of this. You know who's having a pretty darn good year? Who? Matthew Shane. Matthew Shane is having a pretty good year. Yeah, yes. 42 points in 37 games. Mm-hmm. He just had a kid this week. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, he's a, seeing, again, I, I think I was in the minority among Hawk fans, but but I had heard a rumor a couple of years ago that the Hawks were highly interested in him. Now that they've acquired Strom, maybe, maybe that interest cools off a little bit. But, uh, you know, there's a guy, I mean, he's, he's definitely fulfilling, at least this year, he's living up to expectations and, uh, you know, but again, probably the market will be crazy high on him too. Well, now is a good time to bring this up again. Um, I was listening the other day. Um, I think it was on the 31 thoughts podcast or something where they, um, they were talking about Eric Carlson again, and you had brought this up is like, if you're going to spend $10 million on a player, Maybe that's where, you know, where your defense is, you know, you got a hole on defense, bring in Eric Carlson to come in and, you know, run, help with the power play or run the power play. I mean, he's definitely better than Gustafson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, his numbers, Eric Carlson this year, 
They're better. They've gotten better for sure. Forty-one points in forty-four games. Um, I'm not sure what his plus minus is or his coursey, but uh, um, you know it's interesting because the the uh, belief of the Hawks with Adam Boquist is that you know we can overlook his defensive shortcomings because he'll drive possession offensively, and you know there there has been a characterization of him as the um, as the next Eric Carlson, but I guess what I guess you know they're they're the other side of that coin is you know the the current Eric Carlson is 29 years old, um, so probably had at least five more good years, um, and uh, you know th- that's a sure thing. You know he is he is Eric Carlson. The other guy may be Eric Carlson, may not be. Most likely, probably won't be quite that good. I mean, but maybe. Um, and the other guy, I think, plays the other side. I think Bofus plays uh, the left side. So um, he's, he plays the right. He plays the right side. Yeah, he's right too. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, but uh, I, I, there's an argument for that. I, again, I, I feel like the Hawks will not go that route because Bowman has overhyped the defense prospects now to the point where he would be making himself look like he's throwing good money after bad, but or bad money after good, maybe. But uh, um, you know, to me. The, the thing they really need to be looking at um, is primarily defensemen or forwards who can can play some defense because I, I really think also that one of the reasons this team gives up so many shots and basically stinks defensively is the forwards are not as good defensively as they were a few years ago when Patrick Sharp and Marion Hosa were were on this team. Yeah, but back to my original point. <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. you know just. If you're going to use the money and you're going to use it big, use it in a place where you have a hole. Like, like right now, where do you put Panarin? Because then that then you aren't you supposed to have the cat there? Isn't the Brinkett right. supposed to be that guy? I mean, if you sign, if you sign, if you go out and spend nine million a year for Temi Panarin, Alex DeBrinket is not going to have as many quality minutes in quality situations going forward. Not going to happen. Those are going to go to the guy you're paying nine million dollars a year to. So. It probably doesn't help Alex to break its development into the kind of player you, you think he he might become. It doesn't because you only have so many of those minutes in those situations, and it's not like I mean you could move to break it over to right wing, but he's not as good there. He's 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 at his best at left wing. So there's that. Then you have Brandon Saad, who you're paying six million dollars a year to. He becomes your third your third line left wing at six million a year. Not a good investment. And Artem Anisimov becomes your fourth line left wing at four and a half million dollars a year. It, the, the 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 issue is left wing is not a glaring need for this team. That's part of the problem too. As much as you know, there's a glaring emotional need of some fans to see Panarin back. Yeah, because bringing back players that were here once before works so well all the other times <laughs> right 100 percent of the time it works all the time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's a good one i like that one i wish i would have could pull the sound clip for that one um <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you guys brought up a lot of good points i think and even uh gate like you were saying on defense like if you guys are going to spend on that look at who's out there for ufas like i think that does have to go with the trade route because outside of carlson do you want bowmeister mark mathot no, yeah exactly so i mean, I mean like if you could get like, for example if you could get cody cc yeah a, or tyler myers on a on an affordable deal those are the yeah. kinds of guys that cody cc's are as an rfa so you're probably not going to get him but but myers he's 29 years old he's a ufa 
I mean, he's not going to save your team, but he is that big, physical, um, you know, more stay-at-home style defenseman that that this team really could use. The question is, again, I have a feeling guys like him are even are going to break the bank this summer. I really do. He's going to he's somebody's going to throw a lot of money at him. Like, um, what's his name? Uh, the the guy from Washington, Osner. Um, your last year, year before, he made a ton of money. And now he's yeah. in the AHL. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, it's it's free agency is is it's going to be really tough to to rebuild this thing for it to free agency. I don't know, maybe, but maybe they go out and they look for some some great values for guys who sort of plug holes in the complementary roles, with the belief that they're that some of these younger guys are going to become stars. I mean that that could be. Oh God! There's just so many other responses that I, I I just they pop into my head and they just make me oh if I had her I'd pull it out and it would make me want to pound my head off the desk because uh, well you know the cap's going up right when we tell when you tell them well you can't have three people on this roster making ten million dollars a piece you can't have thirty million dollars tied up in three guys like you can't have that well the cap's gonna go up <laughs> okay all right. Yeah, but what people don't understand is when the cap goes up, so so do the asking prices of players. I mean, agents are much more aware of the of the ramifications of a higher cap than anybody else. And what what they know is is that if the teams have another three to five million dollars a year to spend, they're gonna get they're gonna they're gonna ask for more for their clients. It's just goes without saying. It's economics. You know, uh, more money to spend means more demand. That drives price up for a limited number of players. It's just economics. So so thinking that because the cap is going up, that's going to give the Hawks some kind of advantage. It's not. It's not. It's not an advantage at all. It's just it just means the players are going to make more money. That's it. No. Now, and, and, and if Bowman is moving in the direction where it kind of looks like he's moving right now, where he's like making these smarter moves, getting getting rid of this dead weight. It looks like he may be, you know, for better or worse, uh, at least moving in the right direction, making some moves that seem to make a little bit of sense for the Blackhawks in the future. Um, filling a hole with a big paycheck that isn't there is not a smart move with, you know, a seven-year commitment, probably. Uh, that's not a smart move. I mean anywhere else you know anywhere yeah. else you use the money um starting with the defense but don't do it at left wing where you've where you seem pretty stacked already well and then the, the other issue is is <clears throat> there's uh beyond panarin's agent saying west by all means we expect the blackhawks to be players for our team. I mean, of course he's going to say that he's trying to gin up the value of his player Beyond that, there's no indication that I'm aware of that, that Panarin's shown any inclination to want to come back to Chicago. I, I mean, I, I know everybody thinks that, you know, it's, it's like the old Kane Taves off-ice buddies narrative that was that was pushed out there, which was never true at all. Um, you know, th- that that he has this great uh, chemistry with Kane and he loves playing with Kane. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, uh, say what you want about John Tortorella, but he's used him in ways that, that Joel Quenville and that staff never really used him. And he's really blossomed beyond he's, he's gone up a level in my opinion, while he's been in Columbus. And that's not to say that, that, you know, of course Quenville has gone now, but, but it just doesn't seem like there's from what I've heard, he wants to be on one of the coasts or in Florida. 
And he also seems to like being around his fellow Russian players, of which the Hawks don't have a lot of. I think we have one at this point, Anisimov, and he may not be long for Chicago anyway. So I just I don't I honestly don't see Panarin coming back to Chicago unless the Hawks were to just do something completely insane and offer him like twelve million a year. You know, that's like two to three million over his market value. And you would have to have another deal in your back pocket to uh, open up some kind of cash somewhere. But why? But at that point, why would you do it? Because left I, I wing agree. scoring, left wing is not that great of a need. For exactly. This team. Yeah, for right. sure. I, we we all agree. <laughs> you know, it's it's a nice thought, but you know what? The, you got Brandon Saad there now. You've got you know Alex DeBrinket there now. Those are your first, your top, at least your top two. Uh, and you know what? A lot of teams would be happy with with those two with those two as your top two. Could could they be better at left wing? Sure, they they absolutely could. But the bottom line is, it's not like it's not as glaring a need as, for example, defenses. Um, the the hole that was created when Nicholas Jalmerson left, even if he was sort of beginning the downward slide of his career, it was immeasurable. Um, the Hawks desperately need that kind of player to get back to being a great team, a great possession team that that's not underwater in shots by eight or nine shots a night. They need that kind of player. The hole that was that was left when Marion Hosa retired, even though he was starting to be on the downside of his career, he was still a great two-way player and and a guy who made a difference defensively. They could use a player like that, um, and they don't come along very often either. So um, that's but that's where they really should be looking. I mean, they should be looking at improving the defense of this team from the net out. And let's be honest. I mean, there isn't there isn't a position on the team where they couldn't possibly get better. Probably not. No. So I mean, sure. Yeah. People need to put it to bed. Let it go. It's not happening. I mean, if you're going to put all your hopes into this, it, it can't. It can't happen. <laughs> if it does happen, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Well, that's enough Panarin talk for right now. Actually, I, I think uh, you... <laughs> it was John. He broke the seal. I said I broke the seal. It's like I tried you know... to go around it. I thought I did a good job at that. <laughs> you did. But John it's just like had to do it. When they let the when they let the ghosts loose back into the library, you know, it's just like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. John just couldn't help himself. <clears throat> uh, it's but you know, it's just it's again, when we're, we're talking about, you know, free agency and how the team's going to get better. It's hard to avoid that because he's the premier free agent this summer. Yeah. 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 And, and and honestly, we're not trying to, like, crush everybody's hopes. We're not trying to upset people. We're trying to tell you what would make more sense than going out and making a stupid purchase, a stupid, huge purchase that you might have buyer's remorse soon after. Well, and, I, you know, the, the, quite honestly, it's really funny because, you know, I was thinking, uh, I believe it was yesterday when somebody tweeted that the Hawks had been like nine shots underwater in the last game. And, and, they, and they have been all year. I mean, that that kind of margin, you know, they could bring Panarin back and score more goals and, you know, push more games to overtime and win more games at three on three overtime and then go into the playoffs and get absolutely crushed again yeah. when they get back in. Because Panarin could make them a better regular season team. I, I love Artemi Panarin, but he's never gone beyond the first round in the playoffs with either team he's been with. You know, and now I don't believe that they lost to the Caps because of Panarin. I think you know, he, quite honestly, he was he was brilliant. But um, the, what what it's going to take for this team to 
uh, get to the playoffs, A, and then and then B, really to progress in the playoffs is to be a much, much, much better defensive team than what you have today. You know, with with some of the offense you have today, but they've got to get better defensively. And I don't, Panarin doesn't really bring that. No, and that and that brings up like the good point that that I I kind of mentioned a little while ago that I had heard that one of the reasons why they traded Panarin away was you know of course his salary, but the other one was that they were kind of leery of Russian players because they don't get an extra paycheck in the playoffs, and traditionally that has been the you know the hush hush uh, you know backroom rumors about. Uh, Russian players is they don't get that extra paycheck. Now, sure, you got Ovechkin, and there'll be exceptions to rules, but generally that seems to be at least someone in the Blackhawks' back office or front office, um, you know, thinks that 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 could be true. So, Well, and, you know, what I heard at the time that Bernarin was traded, and I still believe this, is that Stan Bowman recognized that re-signing him to stay in Chicago was probably not a safe bet. Um, so why not, you know, pull the trigger then to get Saad and Forsberg and, and, uh, you know, and I always said, I said, you know, that trade looks really crappy right now. It's going to look cra- crappy for the next couple of years. But in 2019, 20, when Panarin's wearing a, a Tampa Bay sweater or an LA sweater or a New York Ranger sweater, that trade is not going to look as bad for Stan Bowman. Um, and the, 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 so there you go. I mean, and I do believe that that was the thought process of the Hawks, that they were not going to be able to resign him or it was going to be very hard. So why would he come back once he's a free agent? It doesn't make any sense. Well, and his good buddy who he played with over in Russia, Kovalchuk is in LA right now. Yeah. So, I mean, Las Vegas has a lot of Russian players. Uh, Tampa is a team. I think if they could, if they could clear the money, I, or he, he might give them a little bit of a sweetheart deal because they have a lot of Russian players and good Russian players. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that seems to me to be a, a possible destination for him too. And, and of course the Ranger fans, you know, like the Yankee fans at Manny Machado, the Ranger fans are, are convinced that Panarin's going there. They're convinced. So we'll see. That's what I, uh, I think like uh, Drager or someone said that. Drake, maybe it's Drake's. I don't know. That he was going to New York. Yeah, yeah. I just heard that recently. So we'll see. Can you imagine him and Kucherov on a line though in oh, Tampa? Be sick. <laughs> the way they would have to clear a lot though. They've got some some cap. They've done a great job with the cap, but I mean, there's and I yeah. I just... Not only have Russian players, they have good Russian players. And I saw it recently the the term sorcery, but um, the sorcery that they have going down there. Like they were gonna, they were they were in on the Carlson thing, they may be in on Panarin, and they've got you know Kucherov and all these other you know excellent players down there. They got one of the best records in recent history in the NHL uh, this year. They're just crazy good, and they could get crazy better. <laughs> That's uh, just I, the, he's doing like they're doing the opposite down there of what Stan Bowman did here for many years. Actually, you know, we'll have some uh, tips for Stan. (laughs) He's a mole. I mean, in fairness, in fairness, I mean, you know, Bowman inherited a team on the cusp of three Stanley Cup championships. And, you know, he's so he's had a different sort of road to hoe as a a GM than they've had in in Tampa. Um, They've been good, almost great teams, but they haven't won cups. And when you win cups and 
you know, prosperity has a price, you know, and so just to be fair, you know, um, it's so, it, you know, it, the, the Hawks have had to, to do a lot of this cutting because of the fact that the guys wanted to get paid and there was a salary cap, you know, that's a fact. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's not say, stay too long on that. Let's get rolling so we can get into questions soon. But, uh, so tomorrow it looks like at least for the, the, you know, the near future, maybe that uh, Colin Delia is taking over the crease is the one a to the cam wards. One B's he's had several starts lately. He's played real well. He's seeing about 50 shots a game. It seems like, uh, but he's playing really well. My boy, Colin Delia. I want to shout out to him, of course. Um, but yeah, he's been playing pretty, pretty well and it's been promising, but again, it puts kind of a veil over, you know, what this team really is. It was just what Corey Crawford did a lot uh, during his career. We kind of put a veil over the, the deficiencies that, this, that the team had. Uh, Colin Delia is kind of doing that to a lesser degree now. Um, but, you know, it, it's making fans think that the team may be a little better than they are. I mean, Cam Ward's played well, too. Um, and, and the team is better than it was when it was in last place. But not much. So, uh, I, you know, they got a hard. You were, John, you were saying they got a hard uh, road ahead with some of these games. But at least they have, you know, the all-star break and the uh, their bye weeks yeah. coming up at the end of the month. So that's good for them. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I think the rest of this, this month they've got Vegas, they've got Washington. Um, trying to remember who else. There's a few other tough games um, the rest of the month. Now, what, what do you... I, yeah, I don't know. I just think they're so far out now. I, I don't see them. I don't see them making the playoffs. And, and if they do, they're not going to. They're going to get bounced in five games. And I don't think they're going to make it. I think it's, let's. Not even worth saying if. No, I heard uh, Jammer uh, Jamal Mayers the other day talking about. Well, you know, if uh, if you want this team to you know to to actively tank, you know, I think they should play hard and da 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 Like no, you know, people. It's not that we want you know Jonathan Taze to turn around and shoot on his own goalie. You know, it's not that's not what we're looking at here. Just you know, stay the course of being kind of bad you know try 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 but let's not get crazy out there let's just continue the course you know they 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 had their next maybe generational defenseman last year in the draft now maybe they can work out and 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 get you know a next generational forward and uh you know hit the free agent market and then there you go there you've got a solid future ahead but making the playoffs doesn't do anyone any good except for Rocky's wallet. So. Right. Just making the playoffs. Right. Yeah. It's making the playoffs. Is, it's a fallacy. Like some people, some teams just get in the playoffs and lose in the first round. And because they're not that good, maybe they shouldn't be in the playoffs in the first place. Yeah. And I, you know, the other thing is I, th- I think there is a mentality among sports fans. If you make the playoffs, you've had a good season, you know, in any sport for any team. But I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, Chicago Blackhawks over the last 10 years, there's been such a level of excellence that, yeah, I mean, sure, it's all cyclical and, you know, with salary caps and draft position, all those issues, you know, you're, you're bound to have some some lean years. But I, I don't know. I, th- I To me, it's I would think that Hawk fans at this point, sh- they should have a higher expectation of what excellence means for this team. Um and the reality of it is, is that, you know, they got, they did, they missed the playoffs last year, the year before they got swept. 
Um, and the year before that, they got bounced in the first round. And so it's not like this is a recent thing. I mean, it's really three years running now um, that this team has been on the downward slide. And um, it, I, in my opinion, um, as a fan, I want to see them come back and be great. I, I don't want a, a perennial bubble or first round team. I, I really don't. Cause that, and that can go on for 20 years. You could stay stuck in that rut. Well, yeah. I mean, they they just think because they've only been paying attention to the Blackhawks that if you make the playoffs, anything can happen. You can win three cups. Who knows? But that's not always the case. The Blackhawks for several, several, several years Decades. just just made the playoffs and did nothing or lost in the first round or whatever. Or, or even when it the playoffs. Or, or went in there as a high rank and, you know, lost in the first round of the North Stars or whatever it was, your second round. Right. Uh, yeah, I watched that with the Leafs a lot too. Where you know, over the years, they would be terrible all year and then do a, a late push and then just worsen their draft pick until they got the the big one with with Matthews, right? And they're able to turn around with Matthews and Marner. But same thing, it's like your team's your team's not good, and in the end, they start giving people hope by going on a little run, and you know, February, March, almost into April, and they just missed the playoffs, and it was it was all for naught, right? Yeah. Well, it would be really nice for him to completely bottom out and get the first overall pick. You get Jack Hughes or get the second pick overall and get Capo Caco. Um, mm-hmm. That would be great, but I would be okay with a top five pick. I think this is a solid year for forwards. I think like the probably the first, from what I saw in my listing, like the first eight or nine players uh, that were ranked uh, for the draft ranking were like all forwards, so... Capo Caco and Slater Cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a lot of center too, which is good. Yeah, they they they're gonna they have they'll just add to all the K's on the team. We'll be the all K team. <laughs> but yeah, so give us a top give me a top five pick and I'll be all, all right. And 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 make a smart pick, you know. Yeah. Um that 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 fills a need that Hopefully. Well, I mean, this year, if, if there's a Noah Dobson there at five, at five, take the Noah Dobson because you got you got this, the tiny puck rushing defensively challenged guy last year, um, you know, with high upside offensively, definitely. But uh, if there's a Dobson there at five, you take that guy because you need that guy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So anyway, um, I don't think there's much more as far as like Blackhawks stuff. I mean, Davidson came back and he's been in the lineup, but he was waived to be sent down. And then Forsling has this mysterious uh, upper body torso injury. And yesterday, uh, Colleton made some kind of like cryptic uh, message about Forsling, how it's, it's not in the near future, but it's not, you know, super serious or something like that. And I don't, could I don't be know. a, could be a concussion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I, I haven't heard anything to that to that effect, but it just seems like you know when it's sort of like a vague upper body, then it's usually a concussion. So there's that, and then Yoki Haro's back from winning the gold with the the under twenties, the U twenties. Um, so uh, it's getting pretty pretty uh, complicated on the defense with all these players there. But someone's going to have to move if if Forsling comes back. They uh, at this rate, Forsling isn't back soon. They're going to have to rewave Davidson to send him down because I think it's thirty days. Um, they have to send him down or ten games or something like that. I think that was the rule. 
until they have to put him on wait through waivers again. Not that it matters, but it's just another complication. Uh, he might go down anyway with Cuckoo joining. If they want to give Cuckoo a shot, He's they need a spot open, right? Uh, yeah, because I think they're at like seven, at least seven or eight. Seven now, and then Cuckoo would be eight. So someone's got to go. <laughs> I just want him to stay up so I can use that sound clip the rest of the year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's that That's that with the, uh, the defense. There's not really much more. I mean, uh, you were saying Vegas. They play Vegas tomorrow. Um, that'll be interesting, and uh, we'll see where they go from there. When they and you have all star, uh, all star Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze didn't make it. He didn't make it in the fan vote, but I'm not really. If you're surprised by that, then okay. But I'm not surprised by that at all. So let's you know, let's get into questions so we can wrap this thing up, huh? Uh, I brought up the one earlier from Jackie Davis. This one's from Washed Up Goalie on Twitter. At what point do the Hawks start bringing more of the young players up from Rockford? Uh, for the few games at a time to give them a taste of what they're where they need to be, I would think anytime. Uh, stop, stop putting on the charade that they're getting better and they're going to make a playoff run. Just uh, you know, see what you got in some of these players. And I know, uh, Ty, uh, you had a question that you solicited, and it was uh, close to that, which was, uh, will Anthony Lewis ever play in the NHL? I'm not op- optimistic, so they kind of go hand in hand. Um. I think Anthony Lewis will get a chance. I don't know what he's going to do because he's five. He's all of five foot two, or five foot four. Sorry, uh, the Lollipop Guild. I apologize to you, but yeah, he he's a very small player. He's like Alex Debrinket, also very small. Vinny Henestrosa, very small. Like these are all very small players. You're uh, you're you're already facing an uphill battle at this point in time, and Anthony Lewis is not Alex Debrinket. So he's smaller and he's not the talent level of uh, Dabrinkat. So, you know, whether he's going to have a, a future with the Blackhawks, I don't think so. But it doesn't hurt to give him a couple of games. So I'm all for that part of it. But I don't think in the long-term future of this team, you're going to have Alex Dabrinkat being your guy in the power play. And, you you know, this 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 sniper, this uh, low-budget, uh, you know, Artemi Panarin or this maybe closer to uh, Patrick Sharp on the power play or something like that. That That's all fine and well, but you can't have Anthony, Anthony Lewis out there too. So that's that's my thoughts on that. What about you guys? I don't know. You know, nothing gets Anthony Lewis at all, you know. I mean, but it's just I'm having a hard time getting getting really down into the weeds with these arguments about this this prospect or that prospect. Um you know, I, it just these these are guys who at best at best if they if they have an NF, an NHL future, it says complementary players. So fine, whatever. I, it, it doesn't. I don't know. I just have a hard time really even caring about those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, at this point, like Debrinket is probably going to break out of that complementary player thing. He's probably going to be in the middle. I think he already has. I think, yeah. he, I think he already has. So I think he's kind of in the middle, but you got like Dylan Sakura. I don't think, you know, he's not going to be the next Patrick Kane. Like he's not, no. he no. could be a good complimentary player, but he's not going to be Patrick Kane. Could be, be, could be, but I'm not even sure he's a good complimentary player yet. He's, I'm not sure he's an NHL player yet. Right. But I think at his, his max, his top, he's a complimentary player. I don't, you know, 
he, I, I, I don't see him being a dominant player in the NHL. He doesn't have anything that's that wonderful that's going to make him like that elite uh, or at least, you know, top flight player of the NHL, even on the Blackhawks. So, and that's nothing against them because there's plenty of people in this league that make their living being complimentary players and stuff. Patrick Sharp did it. Yeah. Like he was not the elite player. He was that next level complimentary player. Yeah. He wasn't going to be a, you know, an elite player probably in anywhere in the league, maybe yeah. a really bad team, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like he, he, he served his purpose. He was a great player for the Blackhawks. Yeah. And, and every team, every good team needs that kind of player. He was like, he was sort of like the Dennis Hall of this generation. You know, he was, not one of the elite Drunk. players, but he was a ter- you know terrific goal scorer <laughs> and uh, you know a a guy who could be part of a great team. You know, could play a key role on a great team, but he wasn't that you know at that t- really high level. Yeah, Ty, you got any uh, any Anthony Lewis or what uh, you know when they should start bringing him players up? You got any anything to add to that? Um, yeah, on the Anthony Lewis stuff, um, I mean. I think they might give him some games just for being a good soldier. He has been one of the better players in Rockford on a relatively bad slash streaky Rockford team. Um, he is apparently five, seven. Uh, so, so they say, but he's also 170 pounds. That's actually bigger than Dylan Segura, um, heavier. And it's the same weight as uh, Dominic. Moon. So he's actually, he's, he's a bit of a little bowling ball and, and he's got some strength to go with that. So, and he, and he goes to the tough areas from what I've seen, but he's not going to be a difference maker. Like you guys said. Um, but I think just for being a, being a good sport, they're going to pull him up and see what he can do. And to be honest, he'll probably be a, a flux guy forever um, for his career, but yeah, go all of Rockford. I, I don't, I mean, you're going to start seeing guys definitely near the end of the year start coming up. Victor Aitzel, I think has been a big disappointment this year. I thought he was going to start lighting it up a little bit and then maybe so get I. a bit of a chance. As, and especially when the power play was really, really bad, he was he could have been a trigger man for them on on a second unit whenever the second unit actually gets on the ice. Um, but yeah, there's not a there's not a ton there. There's not a ton in Rockford, and if they do want to see what they maybe have in like a Lucas Carlson or or one of those guys just to to give them a taste, you're going to see it, uh, albeit through injuries or just the fact that they're out of it at the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt to bring them up, but I don't think there's any difference makers. Yeah, well, I could I could speak from experience. Uh, Anthony Lewis, uh, I've uh, seen him. <laughs> and He's I've, not five seven. I've so stood next not. to him. I'm five six, um, and he was on his skates, and I was looking eye to eye to him. So <laughs> that'll give you an example. And 170 sure. pounds, I think that might be a little bit. Uh, so I, I looked that up before once I saw that question. Yeah. It's listed on some site. I think the uh, ice hog site. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, he's a little stocky, but he's not as stocky as Debrinket or or even right. uh I don't think. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> he's just I mean there aren't many players. There's like one player who was five foot two or five foot four or whatever. Uh Tyler Ennis, wasn't he like five foot four? I think he is. Yeah, I think he's like five five, yeah. Yeah. But once again, probably inflated. Yeah. So I mean Sure. Give him, give him a, give him a try. Let him see what's out there. Uh, you know, let, let other teams see what's out there. Maybe, uh, he could vie for a job at some point in time, all that good stuff. But yeah. Theo, Theo Fleury, I think was five, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's no Theo Fleury. 
Um, all right, Johnny Utah, Bears, Blackhawks on Twitter. Uh, if they do bring back Panarin, I would assume this is he's the our favorite Panarin apologist. He's always uh, upset when we want to argue about uh, Panarin. I would assume uh, Saad or Anisimov or Crawford. Crawford isn't Crawford uh, LTIR candidate on the way out somehow. Resigning DeBrinket and Strom would be a top priority, and I think there's creative ways to bring Panarin in. There's always, sure, creative ways, but bringing him in to fill a hole that isn't there is not a smart idea. Once again, I'm going to have to record that so I don't have to keep saying it. Uh, based on our recent success, can we forget about landing a top two pick? I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far just yet. I know anything can happen with the lottery, but hopefully we can land an elite player that can contribute right away. If you are Bowman, what would you like to see in the organization before the trade deadline? Um, I think we kind of talked a lot about that. Yeah. So I don't know. We don't, we don't need to get back into it. Uh, Clay Bandow, uh, I read and saw the NHL say that the Hawks might be buyers. Uh, there's no way in hell, right? What would be a worse scenario than the Hawks thinking they're buyers right now? Yeah, that, that would be a silly thing to do for sure. You know, yeah. I mean, unless there was some, you know, some young guy like, you know, of the cuckoo, you know, sort of profile, a, a guy who was a recent, you know, first round draft pick who a team was looking to part with, you know, in return for some asset of the Hawks to, you know, to drive their for whatever reason um, that you could, you know, pick off a guy like that who'd maybe been an underachiever elsewhere. And the thing you got to understand about these guys, and it's part of the reason I brought up Anthony Duclair, is these guys are like lottery tickets. You know, it's you're taking a chance on a guy who's, who's so far not proven that his draft status was justified. But, you know, maybe if they're buying anything, it'll be that because that's probably all somebody would be selling to them. That makes any sense. Otherwise, I think, you know, the, the only business they should be doing at the deadline is trying to accumulate high draft picks or quality prospects, period. Yeah. Um, Mark at Chicago Beer Snob, uh, first time asker, never listener. <laughs> Thanks for your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, Crawford doesn't come back this year and uh, can... Uh, can they throw him on long-term injured reserve in the off season, get cap space back? Yeah. That's always a possibility. If a guy's hurt, uh, realistic trade deadline deals. Like say the Blackhawks make, we talked about that. Uh, what is the speed of a swallow carrying a one pound coconut? <laughs> you know what the speed is? It's <laughs> there you go. Um, Blackhawks or BL Hawks. On Twitter, uh, if the Hawks are playing the Oilers and McDavid circles his own net and breaks the puck out, how quickly does he blow past Seabrook before the before the blue line, or will it make uh, Seabrook will Seabrook make it into the neutral zone first? Uh, I think we know the answer to that. Uh, SC Dakota RT Billy Wilson, what will Gustafson's role be moving forward? Uh, and beyond, is he signed through next year? Yeah, I think he has one more year left. Uh, with aging uh, Keith and Seabrook and the emergence of Yoki Haro and the possibility promotion of uh, Bodan and Boakfast, don't forget Ian Mitchell. Do not forget Ian Mitchell. Um, next year, is Gustafson still a top four D-man and a power play contributor? Power play contributor, sure he could be. Um, 
Top four D-man, no. Absolutely not. We talked about that earlier. Guys, got any more to add to that? No. And, I, and again, I think that uh, this whole discussion, I think, kind of masks the fact that uh, the Hawks really need to acquire um, a defenseman somehow, maybe a couple of them, who are, you know, really, really rugged defenders. Um, because of that whole list of guys that we're talking about, you know, forming the future of this defense, none of those guys can be described that way. Right. And now this kind of segues nicely into in your guys' extra expert areas of expertise um, with, you know, who they should bring in or what would be smart for them to bring in, what kind of players uh, as far as defensemen go. Uh, Ty, what are you hearing anything? You got any ideas? You got any, what are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I feel like, um, yeah, I'm with John. I, th- I think there's, there needs to be, oh, I thought it last year. Um, there needs to be someone close to the top four to come in and play. I mean, this, this, I think I saw a projected lineup with, I think it even had Boquist and Mitchell and the same one. Uh, and Yoki, are you, I mean, that, that's not, it's not realistic to have all of those young players and why rush them. Um, it's fun to get excited about them, but as we all know, people get a little too excited. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, I was on board with a guy like Calvin DeHaan last year. Um, he wasn't super expensive. He's not the flashiest guy, but he ended up going to Carolina and who knows if the Hawks even pursued him, but um, someone of that um, level uh, top four, top five, because really, like we just said earlier in the podcast, there's not a lot of people on uh, on the back end to sign UFA this year that would make a big difference in that regard. Maybe a Tyler Myers, but I mean he plays the right side. I don't know where he where he fits in, but I think it's going to be through a trade, and I, I think you need that really defensive defenseman and uh, a veteran presence because when Gustafson's doing a 360 through uh, at his blue line trying to bring it out and he gets knocked over, someone needs to kind of take him down the bench and, and tell him that's that's not going to work. I mean Keith and Seabrook are there, but um, you can't have all these young guys on the back end. So I, I, I'm on board. I'm on board with a, with a top uh, spending more money on defense than, than that, those, uh, that, that Panarin guy. Well, and you know, again, there's not a lot of great choices in free agency, um, no. this, but uh, when you bring up trade, I mean, oh, there are young guys out there uh, that are different, you know, defensemen. Um, and I won't go through all of them, but a uh, couple of names. I mean, one guy that I, I don't. You, there's probably no way they could get him. Would be like Kale Sergachev from Tampa, uh-huh. or um, another guy who possibly they might be able to pry away, but the price would be high, and that's that's the bottom line. You're going to have to perhaps give up some of these prize prospects or, or a good young player that you've acquired in the last few years to get somebody like Adam Larson, you know. But I, that's the kind of guy I think they need. They need that big, skilled nasty top four defenseman could play big minutes, play both ends of the ice, you know, a lot, you know, that's the kind of guy they need um, on defense and they may, they may have to trade for him um, and do a value for, for value deal. But, you know, from the standpoint, you know, you've got all these great young prospects on defense, but they're all kind of the same player in a lot of ways. Um, you know, maybe there's not room for all of those guys to play. So maybe you package one of those guys with another good young player and, and maybe a pick. And go out and you get that cornerstone, you know, next Brent Seabrook. And I mean the the Brent Seabrook of 2010, not not the one of 2019. 
Well, that's what I really think that they're missing is that Brent Seabrook. That's why I wanted the Noah Dobson, you know, mm-hmm. pick because I thought that would be the yeah. next Seabrook type player in his prime, mm-hmm. or maybe even better. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think by accumulating these top defensemen, um, like you said, John, I think there's going to be um, a point where they do trade one of them, and they're going to be dealing from an area of strength. Where they de- where they deal one of these young guys for for more proven or maybe someone up front. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's look at it honestly. I mean, you they 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 all can't be in the lineup at the same time, right? There's only so much room. There's only so many spots. So if you have you know nine young puck moving defensemen in the system, some got to go, man. There's not enough room on this boat. Well, so and the other thing is that the time to trade them is when they're is when they're in the blooms on the rose and and they can do no wrong, which is now, as opposed to after they're up for for forty games and suddenly people start to see, oh, maybe that guy's not going to be so great after all. Yep. I mean, you know, um, so we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see because I mean the trade route again, you know, a big. I mean, a lot of the trades Stan Bowman has made have been have been salary cap trades. Um, you know, or, you know, trades, trades meant to be either motivated by current cap considerations or future cap considerations. Like, for example, the deal that sent Panarin to Columbus and uh, Jalmerson to, to Arizona. You know, the big value for value trade that's about rebuilding or building the team. I, 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 he hasn't really made that, but that doesn't mean he can't. But it's going to be uncharted territory for him and for the organization with him. Right. Uh, now let, let me also throw this out there. Uh, uh, once again, like it was early, you know, in the preseason, it was uh, Carolina was a big subject, and now it, I guess, it was recently said that uh, Carolina is open for business and taking offers on people. And I, not that this necessarily helps their problem, but Dougie Hamilton maybe on the trade, you know, he, he's more of a puck moving guy uh, than than he is a shutdown defensive guy. But say, you know, what do you guys think about? Uh, pickpocketing someone from uh, Carolina, anyone, even if it is a forward, you guys got any insight or any thoughts on that? Go ahead, Ty. Yeah, I, I, they've got a lot of great defensemen. I think you could probably snag. Um, I think I, I was reading something similar gate where it was, you know, anybody, but, but Slavin would be kind of on the, on the back end would be available. They think. And, uh, I don't know what's going on with Dougie Hamilton. I've heard some things that, I mean, there's been some things kind of in the public where he's doesn't really fit uh, personality wise. Something's odd going on. If, if they're already kind of putting his name back out there that he's going to another team already. Um, he's 5.7 million for the next three years. Um, so he's 25. Um, he's a great talent, but he's, he has not done well there. Um, and I think they're kind of, that trade really worked out for Calgary with Lindholm and Hannafin. Um, it's really backfired on, on Carolina, mm-hmm. but I mean, Justin uh, Falk's name came up. We heard the whole Falk for sod swap and he's got another year of 4.8. Would he be, I just don't think he's the, the type, right. Um, that, that you want that. I mean, he's a little more offensive, not that full rounded defenseman, a little more physical, but um, Brett Pesci, I think would be the guy that stands out to me. I, I still like DeHaan, but I think they just signed him. I don't know if they'd move him already, but Brett Pesci's $4 million for the next six years, 24 years old, um, could be a guy. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know, but it seems like they're open for business and I think there's going to be some really important moves. And I do think, like we've said a few times, like I think trading for a defenseman over spending, spending for one in, in free agency would be the way to go for Stan. So if he can jump on one, they might not be buyers or sellers. They might just be looking for player for player moves at this point is what it kind of sounds like. And the narrative coming out of the front office. Yeah. You mentioned slave and you're going to make our poor friend, Eric cry. He's, he's a slave and fanboy eric he's he is good. a bad bad man <laughs> he, he, he's, he's an a expert. great defenseman he should be a good fan a big fan of me yeah is, he, he's a fantastic defenseman he's uh he, he has intimate knowledge of the slaven family so he's very he was well, we very happy brothers so that we're, we're we're one we're winning there somehow. right yeah exactly so uh wrapping up the questions let's see uh fatty beef uh, 36 games left over and under of 75 points. Um, they're at 40. Uh, they were at 76 last year. Um, I mean, if Crawford, well, I don't even know. I mean, I was going to say right at 75 at this point, but I said a lot lower earlier in the year. And my prediction was that they were going to be under that. They were going to be like under 70. Uh, but, uh, you know, with, with, they, they've made a lot of changes since then with that particular roster. I thought maybe they'd be under 70 with this roster. I think maybe they can make it to 75. It doesn't matter at this point, unless you get like 95 points, who cares? So yeah, like that's like the Anthony Lewis argument. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, it's just a matter of where they're in the standings and, and let's hope they're as low as possible for, for this year. I can handle it. We can swallow it. So, uh, Derek Ciavalis, he's a double agent. He got us on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, thoughts on Bowman targeting first rounders. We talked about that thoughts on Hayden, John Hayden. Uh, I personally think he needs to be a lot more physical and hard on the forecheck. Honestly, I think he should be moved or sent down for Edsel. Um, sure. Uh, I guess John Hayden is what John Hayden is. You know, he's kind of a tweener. 13th forward at this point in time on a bad team. Uh, is there, is there any evidence that Edsel would be anything else except for the fact that at least Hayden can play a, a fourth line grinding role and Edsel really can't do that. I mean, Edsel has shown nothing at the NHL level. He's nope. not physical at all either. So if that's what right. um, I right. looking for, it's not the same player. Edsel's been bad. Edsel's just been bad in Rockford. Like, I mean, it, I just expected more is why I think he's been bad. But, I mean, he's been streaky. He's, yeah, I'm not sure. If that oh, I did too because they were using him all over the place on the power play and, the, you know, all over and the place. And he was so good last year down yeah. the stretch. In the playoffs, he was a he was Jeremy Carlton's secret weapon. He was scoring game time goals, game winning goals. He was using his body. And then I don't know what happened. He just kind of fell off. Yeah, I and- I mean, he, he started off slow this year for sure, and then I don't know if maybe something changed when uh, Colleton was moved up uh, because it was Colleton's boy. I don't know. I honestly don't yeah. know. Um, I had, I thought maybe, you know, Edsel could be like that next uh, Artem Anisimov kind of player, and only better. Um, but, you know, he doesn't seem to be working out so far. But, you know, Eric Gustafson two years ago didn't play a single NHL game, was buried down in the AHL, so... Who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, I mean, Gustafson has always had NHL-level mobility. I mean, he's always had been an NHL-level skater, and I, I'm not sure that Edsel is. I think that that's the thing that makes him a good 
Swedish league or AHL player um, is that he's, you know, he's, he's fast enough for those leagues, but I think in the NHL, he gets exposed and he's just, he's the guy is just, just so stunningly inadequate at the NHL level so far. Anyway, maybe it changes. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if you want to give him a shot, sure, go ahead. But um, if you think you're going to get anything more out of him, like you said, what, what you got out of John Hayden, probably not right at this point in time, but at least what what he's doing in in the AHL right now. Who knows? Crazier things have happened. Um, Richard Iozo, uh, so answer this on the podcast, he says. Uh, uh, I lost my place. There we go. Uh, answer this on the podcast. The Hawks have... And they draft Kako. <laughs> Will Eddie be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure Edzo and uh, Pat will have plenty of fun with that. Kako, Kako. Yeah, Kapo uh, Kako. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hawks fan A Z realistic D man. They uh, they could scoop up. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, top choices. What do you expect from Delia to be the starter next year? I don't know. I, I think Delia is going to get a chance, at least the way he's going right now. It, the wheels could fall off the wagon at any second. You know, I, I believe in Delia. I have for years. We know all about this. We know my history with the Delia thing. Um, I believe in him. I think he could be, you know, in the in the running for starter possibly next year. But the wheels could fall off the car tomorrow, and he could be back in Rockford for the end of the season. And the, the team could fall apart. We don't know right now what's going to happen so let's take it you know one game at a time or one week at a time at least and i think i think delia has gotten himself into the conversation as far as a potential number one netminder for the hawks going forward but that's one thing being a net uh, number one netminder the the uh, you know the the bigger ask is can can he be say a top 10 goalie in the NHL. And I think that remains to be seen. Um, definitely. I mean, that's not to say that he can't, yeah. but I don't think that he's shown enough to say that he can. He's five, either. six games into his NHL career. Let's not start. You know, we, we yell all the time about tap the brakes, you know, calm right. down, right. stop putting these unrealistic expectations. Right. Uh, that's what we're saying here. Be realistic. Let's just take one game at a time. Let's be happy for what he's doing. And uh, let's hope he can maintain it somewhat. He's, it, it's unsustainable the numbers he was putting up and the saves. Like at well, some point in time, of, he had kind of a lesser outing last game. I mean, he gave up four, um, and you know, a couple of them may have been stoppable. Um, and I'm I'm not here to bash him because I the guy is he's definitely he's proven a lot to me this year, and I'm I'm, I'm definitely on the on the Delia train because I I really think he's. He's got to be part of the conversation now, and it's a great, it's a nice, pleasant surprise the way he stepped up this year. So please don't take that and bash him. But at the same time, he's 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 coming back to earth a little bit, or at least he has the last maybe the last couple outings. But uh, you know, he hasn't given up you know five or six in a game yet either. So you know, and he's he's seen a lot of rubber. Hey now, what what are your what are your thoughts on this, uh, Ty, on the, the the whole Delio thing? Same thing. I just, I wouldn't get too excited too quickly. Um, it, it all depends on Crawford. I mean, they're, they're going to have to make moves regardless. Um, I mean, Dealey is, what is he up for a new contract at the end of the year? But yeah, for, for, 
is Forsberg going to be in the organization anymore? Or do they keep him in Rockford? But, I mean, Crawford's kind of the linchpin in it all. Um, I don't think they go into next year. If Crawford, if he's kind of admitted or, or retires or decides he's not coming back, they're not going to go into the season, I don't think, as Dealey as their number one. They're going to need that. I mean, same reason why they bought, brought Ward in. You know, or do they re-sign Ward and let Dealey a role with it? I'm not an advocate of that. I'm just saying I think you need that veteran presence behind him. Um, and that's, that's yeah, kind of what I would say to that. I could see them going into next year with Dealey and Ward. I could because – I had to, yeah. Yeah, because they're not – It's actually not been too bad, so. Yeah, they're not going to go far next year either. No. Um, and, and uh, you know, so I could definitely see that, you know, Delia being the young, um, you know, rising star potentially and Ward being the seasoned veteran who's helping bring him along. Because I actually think that's what they were thinking, that Ward was going to be this year with Forsberg. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Delia's kind of stolen that, that, that job from Forsberg of being the, uh, the goalie of the future or at least a goalie of the future. So um, I could definitely see that. I, I, as a matter of fact, if I had to bet, that's probably what's going to happen. I, I'm Ty. I'm not as as open minded. I think about uh, Crawford coming back as you are. I, I I just feel like it's it's really. I mean, I, I, if he if he comes back at all, I'll be surprised. And if he comes back and, and plays well, I'll be floored. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. that's a big area, right? Like maybe maybe they go. I mean, we, we, I think you guys were talking about it in a couple of podcasts ago, just what goalies are available. Maybe they don't go Ward. Maybe they go Crawford's done. Crap, we need someone. You know, I don't think they're going to spend Bobrovsky money, um, but maybe they try to shore up that area bigger than what we think and, and bigger than a Cam Ward, right? And then have Delia there as the, as the backup and the learning uh, curve for him for, for next year. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, they – they didn't do it this year, and I want them to do it. But after you know, after the season started, I realized why they didn't do it. But Robin Lehner, right? Like, yeah, I wanted them to give him a give him a shot last year, and I couldn't understand why they didn't because he signed. He's younger. He's got potential ahead of him. He's you know young. He's cheaper. The whole thing. But then come to find out, you know, he was in rehab. That you know, we've heard the organization kind of shies away from players who may have some sort of, you know, addiction problem or drinking problem or anything like that. So to understand, you know, that they may want to stay away from somewhere, something where, you know, a player is just coming out of rehab. I can, I can get that. I can totally understand that. But now he, that he's been through rehab and now that they've seen, he's, he's had a bounce back here. Maybe, you know, he's going to get a raise for sure from what he's doing with the Islanders, but he's not going to get Bob Rovsky type money. No. you know, after one year. So maybe they do something like that. Um, and again, like we're all saying, it's nothing against Calendia because I love Calendia and I was probably his biggest fan. Um, I think he can be the, the future number one guy, but maybe you do take a rival laner for a year or two. Um, you know, I don't see laner laner getting, you know, a seven year deal anywhere, but. No, I think term is going to be the issue with Leonard because of the fact that he has an illness. Yeah. That can re- that can recur. Um, the numbers are phenomenal this year, and he's living up to the you know promise that people always felt was there with him. Yeah. Um, you know, and so probably what somebody will do is is offer him big money per year, on you know three or three maybe four year term. Um, you know, unless you feel really confident, I, but I just I don't know. Uh, in where he's at, um, I don't think you can make a bet on the on a long term future one way or the other. 
Yeah, I mean, let's face it, having Calendelia there and where he's at, and sure, it's a small sample size, is better than than the position they've been in several other times when they got Alec Richard playing for him or, you know, something like that. So, you know, they, they, they got a little bit of depth in the, in the minors and they got a little depth up with Delia. It looks like he can somewhat at least carry a backup load in the NHL. So um, that's positive. So... Um, let's hit the last two. So, uh, where do you think Stan's headed? Do you trust him to reconstruct this team? Well, no, I don't, but, um, I don't know that we have a choice at this point in time, but if he seemed, you know, if right now, I think in, in, uh, in McDonough's eyes with the past three moves or whatever that he's made, I think he's kind of made himself look a little better than he, he did previously. Because honestly, when he fired Quenville, he should have been out the door too. So um, I feel a little more comfortable, but I don't know that I trust him to reconstruct this team. That's kind of a, we don't know. He's never had to do it before. So we don't know. Yeah. I, and my feeling is, is it's, you're, 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 I don't know if it's the right question. Um, I don't know if it's a question of confidence in Bowman or a confidence in the front office as a whole, especially as led by John McDonough, because I, I, I feel like this team now is going on three years where it's been obvious that they're, they're in decline and not just decline, steep decline. And, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, sort of vacillation and, and, you know, milling about and sort of (laughs) casting about, but no real clear plan to, to really rebuild. Um, and, We've coined the term, we coined it here, the silent rebuild or, you know, a soft rebuild, which is, appears to be what's been going on. And I think for a while they were fooling some of the fans. I don't think they are anymore. I think the only people they're fooling now is themselves. Um, you, if you're going to rebuild, you got to really go after it and really, really do it hard and honestly. Um, and a lot of organizations do that. They'll come out and say, look, we're not happy with where we are, where we are. We need to get better and get a lot better. And we want you to stick with us. And, um, it's, it's painful. Um, it's, it's short term costly in terms of lost revenue, but ultimately it is the thing that, that gets you back to being a great team. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm not convinced this front office can do it. I think that they lie to themselves. Like that, maybe that's the wrong word. That's too strong a word. I think that they, they fool themselves into believing every kid they draft is going to be is going to solve some need and be be the solution and the answer and the reality of it is, um, boy, look at the look at the, all the draft picks: uh, Tavo Teravainen, Ryan Hartman, Nick Schmaltz. You know, all players who sort of fit a certain profile, all of whom are gone. Um, so I, I don't I don't have a high confidence level in this front office to rebuild. I think Stan Bowman is effective. Um, in some ways as a general manager, but I think it's more managing a salary cap of uh, creating cap room when he has to create cap room. But as far as those big creative visionary moves that go out and bring in building blocks, I haven't seen it in 10 years. Now he hasn't had to until the last two or three years, but so far I, I haven't seen it. And I'm not, I'm just not sure that this front office is a whole, because I don't think McDonough understands that that how important that is. I don't think he gets it at all. What do you think, Ty? 
Uh, yeah, I think um, I like what you touched on, John, there with the honesty. I think we're all kind of in the same boat where this team's, especially to the public, has been uh, to the fan base has kind of been stringing people along. I thought it was really refreshing when just being in this market in Toronto, uh, when, you know, Brendan Shanahan was hired and came in and basically said exactly what you said, John. This is going to be painful. Uh, this is a rebuild. Um, obviously, in Toronto, they've got a lot of corporate money that floats the the books pretty well. But um, look what they've been able to do through honesty and through, I mean, yep. essentially, you know, bottoming out and getting Austin Matthews. And so that that was kind of refreshing because you just kind of when, when you follow a team um, like the Hawks and you get so inundated with it, you just kind of think that's the norm. And it's not uh, with every other organization. And um, yeah, the Leafs, Leafs did it right. And, and in terms of rebuilding, it's not the it's not the five to seven years anymore that it used to be. It's, you know, I, I mean, Stan's already alluded to Colorado, and I don't know if that's going to be the best case. Um, I mean, Colorado seems to have turned it around pretty quick, and they've had some ups and downs. But, it, I mean, it is possible, you know, a one-year, two-year, um, kind of maybe into the three-year that this team could, could turn around. But the, the moves start now. And I think this trade deadline this offseason is extremely vital for, for Stan. And I don't know if I have the highest confidence. Um, like you said, I think it's this front office does have too many people trying to make decisions and, and kind of holds things back. But, um, yeah, I don't know what other option uh, option there is right now um, to, to see what they have going into the trade deadline. And if Stan's still there in the summer, um, it's, his, it's his last shot, I think. So we'll, we'll see how he handles it. Well, yeah, the, and the one name that we brought up, um, if, if Stan wasn't to be around, was Mark Hunter. Mm-hmm. You know, that that would be someone who you could see coming in. He's really known, you know, he's he's known as a scout type GM. Yeah. Like, there you go. That's where you build a team with. I completely agree. I, I think that's what they need for the next GM. They they need somebody who's a builder, who's mm-hmm. a very shrewd um, judge of talent, um, and Again, Stan Bowman has his strengths, but I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure he's quite at at the elite level as far as that goes. And um, you know, the other problem is is that you've got a front office apparatus with a lot of cooks in the kitchen. It's very my understanding is it's been difficult over the years for Bowman to make moves without being second guessed or stopped or whatever. Um, and the reality of it is is that you know, guys like John McDonough have to get out of the way and let the hockey guys do their jobs um, in order to, to rebuild this thing. But it feels to me like the Hawks management model has very clearly been, um, you know, to have a lot of second guessing and a lot of decisions by committee, et cetera. And, you know, you, you had the luxury of doing that when you had a core of Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Marion Hosa, Duncan Keith, et cetera, et cetera, Corey Crawford, Brent Seabrook. Uh, Patrick Sharp all the way down the line. You could you could you could do that in in terms of you know rebuilding around the edges. You could you could be a a corporate um, front office. But I think you know to to rebuild you need to bring in top quality you know talent assessors um, you know from from a hockey background and then let them do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's but and that that's not what we have now. We don't have that right now. No. 
but I, I, and I think the Mark Hunter, the Mark Hunter suggestion was really interesting because I think he'd work really well with Jeremy Colton. I mean, obviously he would be the one to decide if Colton stays, but their, yeah. you know, Colton's ability to to work with younger players and and Hunter's uh, really strong um, ability to judge talent and, and be um, really good in that area, I think they would work well together. But we're we got Bowman, so that's where we're at right now. Yeah, and it looks like we. It, at least at this point in time, it looks like we're going to have him through at least in the next year. Or so, yeah, so. yeah, he's making the moves right. So they're yeah. they're giving him that uh, that leash. Yeah, we'll see how big the moves get though. But hopefully, yeah, true. I'm praying for chaos. I like a little chaos. It lights the fire, like I said, several yeah. times. Um, so I guess that wraps up questions. I think we can get out of here, huh, guys? All right. Yes. Cool. So anyway, you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.ashrink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media uh, at The Rink Official, at The Rinkcast. I am at Puck and Hostel. You are at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L. Tyler is at Justin Low HB, and that's low with an E uh, on Twitter. And you can be found at HockeyBuzz.com. I'm linking them all in the post on the website so that you can get uh, to Justin even easier or Tyler or Justin or Tyler. <laughs> Where did you come up with the, with that accurate, that name, the pseudonym? It was really weird. I was, I didn't, I mean, like I said, uh, I was telling people on the blog today in the message board that I had to come up with a pseudonym just because it was a conflict of interest with uh, working at a sports company. Yeah. We had an outside writing policy, but I came up with Justin Lowe. I live um, outside of Toronto. The, the place is called Lowville. So I came up with Lowe as the last name. My brother's name's Justin. So it yeah. sounded like the ho- hockey dude. Uh, it's weird <laughs> writing under under a different name, but it just kind of stuck, and I went with it to to be able to continue to write. So, well, yeah, you're you're talking to a guy who for uh, probably seven years wrote under a pseudonym of Gatekeeper. So, you know, right? right. <laughs> but yeah, so that happens. But uh, yeah, yeah. So you no. can find all all. all thanks, ju- thanks. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That's, that's okay. What are you gonna say? I was just going to say thanks a lot for having me. It was uh, it was awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Great. Always chatting about the Blackhawks and appreciate the, the invite and um, always happy to jump on and uh, talk about uh, the great Eric Gustafson. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have you back. Yes, definitely, for yeah. sure. Now that we've opened this channel up, uh, we'll definitely, definitely. Uh, have you on again, maybe around trade deadline and uh, free agency maybe in the summer or something like that. We'll, we'll do a, a double header of Double J and – jl or tc or whatever we want to say yeah um sounds good i need, I need to get my old sound clip soon maybe i'll just be the, oh we the, can do that I'm yeah yeah i don't know if you listened when i did the old uh shoutcast but i used to have full intros for people that that were on multiple yeah, yeah, times. Yeah. <laughs> john's got one uh still sitting in the vault somewhere i should pull it out again nice. uh but anyway um if you guys get over get a chance head over to itunes rate and review us um i was supposed to check today to see if anyone went over there. I checked earlier today and no one had. Um, I'm doubting at this point in time that anyone has since then. Um, but yeah, get over there. That helps us out, helps us move up the rankings. Um, some people may not need that help, but you know, hey, we do. So we would like to move up the rankings, get more listeners and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, uh, get over there, rate and review us. Um, my, I got plugs. Uh, let me see. First, I want to say, you, 
I know you're all listening to this now, but if you prefer to listen to this on the YouTube channel, you can get over there. It's linked in the uh, the post on the website. We have links on the website to get to the YouTube page. Um, I'm going to start posting them every week. Uh, I think maybe in the future we had talked about before. Uh, we may turn this into a more of a video podcast. So you get over the the YouTube page. Um, you can listen to it through YouTube if they, you prefer it in that manner. Otherwise, you can get it on all the podcast forum uh, uh, places you've got them before. Um, I don't think I have any other big uh, shout outs. Uh, John, you got anything? Puckhockey, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y, our official sponsors. Check them out, puckhockey.com. Um, great gear, really great design, cool hockey stuff for you and your whole family and all your friends, too. That's yep. all I got. Yep. Um, oh, I, I mentioned the last couple times our boy uh, Patrick Judge. Their album's going to be coming out March 1st. I played the song in the last couple podcasts. Uh, you, uh, you know, go out there and get it if you can, or get whatever songs you can off of iTunes or whatever. I can do it with a single click, all that good stuff. Uh, I don't have any more. How about, how about you, uh, Ty? You got any any more uh, shout outs or anything you want to call out? No, no, it's uh, no, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to, to coming back. Um, other than uh, you know, if you know anybody getting married, um, any dudes that need a lot of advice, go buy my book. You can go to tylercameron.com. Well, I do have a fiance, so. Ah, there you go. See, there you go. Uh, check it out. There you go. All right. Well, cool. Um, well, with that being said, thanks to everybody for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the rink.